Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. We tackle the issues facing our sector through the ideas and stories of industry founders, leaders, and tech enthusiasts. On today's Tech Talk, we are talking to Chris Kay. He is the CEO and co-founder of Sherpa, an insured tech business. But before that, hi, I'm Jack. Hello, David. So I spent the weekend on an alpaca farm. As you do. And it got me thinking, right, because Sherpa, this insure tech that we're going to be speaking about in a minute, um, basically they do insurance for people in strange financial situations, uh, effectively. Isn't isn't a Sherpa one of those people that help people up the Himalayas? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, no, I just, it just kind of got me thinking, because if you bought an alpaca farm like these people did 19 years ago, it might have been quite difficult to get insurance for something like that. I mean, where do you even go to insure your alpacas? I, I've got no idea. No, I mean, I don't even know where you get alpacas from, to be perfectly honest. I guess other <laughs> um, They're very cute animals. They're kind of like just big, long dogs, aren't they? They're like run around and they get really excited and they're cuddly and they're very personable. I'm very jealous of your weekend, Dave. They're personable, but they're also quite skittish. So they, they, they're not something that you stroke, apparently. They, they come over right. and they, they're friendly, but they're also a little bit, um, they're a little bit shy. Uh, but yeah, lots okay. of them around, very cute. But, and I don't understand this, and I, I need to look this up when we get off air, they only have a bottom set of teeth. How do they chew or grind anything? you're asking the wrong person. Let me just channel the ghost of Steve Irwin and see if I can find an answer for that. I guess they kind of eat grass and stuff, just mush it against the gum. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like an evolutionary fuck-up. Like, um, they, should have, they should have a top set of teeth, right? Surely. Like, you know, if God made the world in seven days, he ran out of time and he forgot to give our packers a top set of teeth. Well, I mean, I'm not going to get into the ins and outs of the world was created in seven days because we know that's not true. But anyway... <laughs> Anyway, let's get to today's interview. Um, <laughs> as we alluded to, it's all about insurance. It's uh, Insure Tech, so a startup who will be a scale up next year, as you'll hear. Uh, it's the CEO, Chris, and myself and Jack will be back with some comments after this. So we're talking to Chris. Chris, you're the co founder and CEO of Sherpa. That's right. Who are Sherpa for those people who haven't heard of your brand? So a lot of people haven't heard of our brand yet, but we're, get, we're getting there. So we are a relatively new insurtech business that's just launched in the UK. And we service the self-employed and small businesses, and we provide the types of insurance that you would get if you work for a big business in terms of your employee benefits. But we, we, we've created a solution for people to access that if they're not getting that from their employer. So you go to one of the traditional uh, um, insurance firms and broker on behalf of the self-employed individual various different deals and put that together or we we do but we actually go one step back and we actually source our insurance from the reinsurance market right. so so what you're doing by coming to Sherpa is you're getting access to wholesale priced insurance from one of the world's largest reinsurers um, we put that together for you in a bespoke package based on what you need mm. and how much of different types of insurance you need. So you're getting purely tailored uh, insurance and then you just pay the wholesale premiums um, for the insurance cover that you need plus then a subscription fee to belong to the to the Sherpa, to be a Sherpa member. Now your background is um, 
you're British, but you've spent time in the Far East. Uh, that's right. Yes, I've moved around a lot. Um, I'm an army brat, so I've moved right. around a lot even when I was uh, when I was younger. Um, and yes, my career sort of took me to the uh, took me to Singapore in 2001, um, and then on to Hong Kong in 2009. So I spent nearly 15 years um, out in uh, out in Asia. Yes, and you were consulting. Did that include a mixture of full time and contract work? for your own experience? So that the time in Asia was all full-time right. work. I was working as a consultant mm -hmm. um, for um, for one of the big uh, strategy firms out in Hong Kong. Um, but as I um, moved back to Europe in 2014, I actually moved from a full-time employee to being a, a contract employee with that, same, with that same organization. So I went through exactly the, yeah. tran the transition that kind of stimulated the idea. So this Sherpa. is it. I'm wondering where the idea for Sherpa came from because by 2014 you had already thought of the idea. So it's kind of was was it that mobility? Was it the fact that you're very, I suppose, representative of of the modern workforce that is mobile, might not be in one country, might not have roots in one place for X many different years, where someone can goes, someone can go right. Here's here's a credit score. Here's X Y Z. You know, it's harder to necessarily give someone a quote for insurance if they are hopping around and their employment isn't as steady as it may have been 20 years ago. I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, they say build what you need, right, That for you personally. And so, I mean, the, the longer term goal for Sherpa is about being able to service all of the insurance needs for mm. all of the people. But really, with the catalyst for where we started, which is, if you like, employee benefits for the self-employed as a shorthand, the, uh, that came from my own personal experience. So, you know, I was working for a nice big company. I had a nice big employee benefits package, um, and and that was all structured around my employment in Hong Kong. I then moved to Europe uh, and went contract, and all of that insurance went away. But I've still got a mortgage and three kids and you know, a, a wife, etc., who 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 rely on me for their income. Mm. And so, and I'm from the insurance space, so I I went through the pain of sourcing all of that for myself. It took me about three and a half months of elapsed time and 20, I counted about 22 hours of my own personal time, filling in forms, doing medicals, backwards and forwards, et cetera. And so, we, and, and so that became then the obvious place for Sherpa to start. And the more I talked to people and the more I talked to my, my peers who were starting up businesses and moving from the employed world to becoming freelancers or contractors. And I look at, um, uh, you know, I've, I've got, uh, younger cousins who are kind of in their early 20s and mm. talk to them about you know my my younger cousin who's 25 she's already had five different five different jobs with five different employers some as a contractor and some you know so the 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 insurance world is just really really badly equipped to cope with those types of people and there are more and more of those types of people yeah and less and less of the traditional i'm going to stay in one company for life and that company will look after me oh I mean, it's funny i was having a conversation with an ex-colleague um just a few hours ago who was talking about remortgaging and when you time things and um the fact that when you're self-employed you haven't got x many years worth of so that is certainly becoming more of a thing people talk about tribes in the workforce they talk about the gig economy so what's What's the logjam? Who, who's struggling to keep up? Is it the insurers? Is it traditional enterprise businesses? Is it, is it uh, you know, so so a company when they're looking at putting together kind of um, an employee benefits package? I, I just, I, I, what, what are the bits of the market that aren't moving at the same speed, I suppose, as 
the, 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 the people themselves and the way that they're redefining work? I think all of it. I mean, so but it manifests itself in different ways. So, um, you know, if you're purely self-employed, you're a freelancer or a mm. contractor or um, a tradesperson, then actually you find it very hard to source insurance because uh, you don't f- the the um, insurance contracts tend to s- assume that you're employed, and then there are some things that then will trigger. Oh well, we don't cover you because you haven't got. Mm. Six months worth of uh, employment history, for example. So, um, so that's one sort of kind of very left out proportion of the of the society. But then you've got a whole another piece, which is you know sixty um, percent of the UK workforce is actually working for small businesses. Um, typically, they don't offer employee benefits to their employees because it's really hard. It tends to be quite expensive. It's administration. You've got to integrate it with your payroll, and yeah, you know, and it all goes into the sort of too hard bucket for a. For a, for the for the senior manager of a business who's actually just trying to sell business and, mm. and manage twenty people in a workforce, it all goes too hard, and so those people don't tend to have those types of insurance either. And then you've got the big companies, um, you, you know, and increasingly it's not just the tech companies who have twenty, thirty, forty percent of their workforce are actually on long term contracts or or a, you know, they're sourcing from the freelance market, um, and so the proportion of people who are in who are actually now working for big companies, but not getting eligible for the company benefits because of all of the IR35 issues and, mm. you know, are you employed? And if a company offers you benefits, then that is one of the triggers that says that you might be employed by them, even if your contract is a self-employed contract. So so there's all these kind of tricky issues with big companies. So there's a lot of people who then get kind of left out of the traditional employee benefits package for that big companies offer as well. So when you add all of that together... If you if you wind the clock back, if you wind the clock back maybe twenty twenty five years ago, the vast majority of the population would have been covered by their paternalistic companies for life insurance and health insurance and critical illness and sick pay. Wind the clock forward now, and it's a it's probably more like twenty to twenty five percent are only getting mm. that cover now, and that that gap hasn't been closed, and that's really that's really what we're going after. You mentioned their IR thirty five. Obviously, you've got legislation that applies to particular countries but your company itself reflects the more modern kind of global structure of an organization you met your founders your co-founders rather in hong kong your wife is maltese you started the business you were living full-time in multi in malta you now have a, a base there but also here in london right correct in fact we just had a, a an all hands call with the team and we're about 17 people and we just added a couple more people who are in different countries. And I went, okay, let's just tot it up. How many countries? We're in 12 countries. So we're yeah. 17 people in 12 countries. So we run a fully remote global, all the way from the Philippines in the in uh, in, in the east to, uh, who's the most westernmost person? It's probably, uh, it's probably Steve down in Brighton. Right. <laughs> no, Bristol rather, sorry. Yeah, okay. so that's kind of the span. We haven't quite got to the to, to, to the US yet, although we have had some contractors that have worked for us in the US. So so we operate a completely global, completely global workforce. Um, we've got... Um, does it, does uh, that make it harder for you to kind of, as a startup or, or a scale-up? How would you describe yourselves? Sorry, I shouldn't make this... No, yeah, start-up, definitely. Start up. Yeah. How, how we'll do be you... a scale-up next year. Right. <laughs> how do you zero in on, right, this this is the bit of the market that we really need to focus on? Because it must be tempting with a global workforce to go, we should be covering lots of different areas. Yes, and, and I mean, you've hit, hit on one as well, because the other pain point that I 
personally experienced was actually moving from one country to another and mm. losing. So I, I, I didn't only lose my employee benefits from my employer. I also, a lot of my personal insurance, my car insurance and my home insurance and my um, travel insurance was then invalid because it was determined by being resident in Hong Kong. Right. And now I'm resident in in Malta, but I spend a lot of my time in the UK. And so that was, and so that was actually one of the pain points that we looked at, which uh, you know, the, the increasingly globally mobile workforce, is there something that we can do to solve for that problem? Um, and, and it's definitely on our radar screen to try and solve for that problem. It, it just takes the challenges that we face in getting something like Sherpa off the ground in one country and makes it exponentially harder when you're trying to do it in multiple countries. Yeah. Um, so we'll get there. But we need to build the kind of Sherpa businesses in each market first, and then we'll connect the pipes between them to make it easy for people to transition across. Listening to you talk, it's obvious that there is a huge opportunity for someone to come in and uh, disrupt the traditional structures for, for insurance. And we've seen a number of insure techs appear over the last five years. And it makes sense. You know, you know, you, people haven't got time necessarily to go and sit in an office and sign policies, policies and whatever else. So an app on a phone that gives you access to a number of different quotes or policies makes sense. So it kind of begs the question, and, and you touched on this before we hit record, why one of the insure techs hasn't made a bigger splash than they have already. Whilst a lot of people have raised money, why hasn't someone really broken through and, I suppose, got got into the public consciousness in a way like Monzo might have done in yeah. fintech? So I think there's a few things that are really hard. So um, if you take the consumer, mm. customers don't want to think about insurance. <laughs> right. I mean, it's by, de- by definition, it's sort of worrying about something negative that might happen to you, uh, whether it's crashing your car or your house burning down or... God forbid having an accident. So, so there's a there's a consumer adoption barrier in the product itself, which makes it really hard. So it's really unlikely that you're going to get the sort of viral growth that you've seen with a Monzo or a Revolut or a TransferWise yeah. in insurance, just because people aren't all that likely to say, you know, down the pub, you know what, you should get this Sherpa thing or this XYZ thing because it's really cool and da 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 da. That conversation is very unlikely to happen. Yes. Um, whereas, literally, I was sitting in the pub the other day, and you know, Revolut. We were all talking about Revolut, etc. So, so, so there's that that kind of word of mouth um, scalability is just really unlikely to happen in insurance, mm. just because of the product itself. So, you, you do have to find creative ways on distribution and on kind of getting the product out in front of the consumer and kind of changing the nature of the conversation. And that that's quite slow. Yeah. To happen, so I think that's one reason. But actually, I think the bigger reason um, is very few people are actually taking on the balance. Very few insurtechs are taking on the balance sheet risks themselves. And so, what that means is they're plugging into somebody else's balance sheet. You know, for Sherpa, we're plugging into Genry, one of the world's biggest reinsurers. We're plugging into their balance sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, Munich Re is sitting behind a lot of uh, the UK. Um, uh, insure tech startups, etc. But what that means is that you are plugging into the old world. Yeah, because I was as, just thinking as much as they would love to be nimble and agile yeah. and you know have APIs and make it as easy as possible, that the industry is itself is not there yet, and so you end up as an insure tech kind of moving at the pace of the slowest cog in the machine, yeah. which is the 
which is with the best will in the world, it is the insurer cog. So, because when I think about the the, the, the insure text that we've had on the show in the past, in the like in the, in terms of the likes of flock where they're enabling something that just can't be provided by a, a, an insurer, or Spixy working with a with an insurer, or looking at Aviva and how they view the insurtech market as being partners. I, I just wonder whether, I, I understand what you're saying, but maybe a partnership, a marketplace model, if you look at Starling Bank and Pension B, uh, I don't know whether you're familiar with Pension yep. B, but um, pensions aren't exactly sexy. They're not the kind of thing that necessarily is going to spread by word of mouth. Could that marketplace be a slightly different approach, I suppose, for for an insure tech to grow to a slightly bigger audience? Well, I think, so the um, the things that I'm really encouraged about at the moment are um, the, the the emergence of Insure Tech UK, which is an industry association right. uh, turning itself into a trade body uh, which is, I think, I think we're now close to 50, 50 members of InsureTex, and um, so, uh, and what that's facilitating is, firstly, that's facilitating exchange of best practices and, and right. how do you do things better, and da, da, da. so we're kind of learning from each other because we could view each other as competitors, but to be honest, when you add us all up, we're probably a tenth of the size of the biggest of the you know a medium sized insurance company in the UK. So, so we have a huge benefit from collaboration. But and secondly, and, and sort of best practice sharing. But also, secondly, the opportunity then for collaboration between ourselves mm. goes up, and the power of um, us combining our customer bases, us combining our distribution approach, us combining um, to, uh, to to link up is, a, I think, is really powerful. Right. Um, and we're all future, but we're all built for the future as opposed to the partnering that we're all having to do for the moment which is with the old world and with the old insurance industry where that constraint is really slowing everybody down so i that you know i get excited by that i get excited by you know the willingness of insurers to change to, so i think it will get a lot easier for us to mm-hmm. interface with the insurance industry um and um and then I think it's just, it really is, just, I'm not sure that anyone's really, I mean, in the US, you've got Oscar and Lemonade, who I think are starting to really tap into that kind of branding and consumer consciousness in a little bit of the same way that a Revolut or a Monzo is, right. is starting to do, uh, or have done in, in this part of the world. But we haven't really seen that really take off yet. Yeah. And that's something that we focus a lot of our time and thinking about is our brand positioning and how do we get the brand out there. And, and, and um, you know, I think hopefully over the next couple of years, we will see people crossing that barrier. Last point to finish on then. Um, you started working on Sherpa in 2014. You went full time <laughs> with it in 2015. Yes. So you've had <laughs> five years of building this organization. Yeah. What do you look back on now and think, oh, I didn't do that at this point maybe I should have done on reflection well <laughs> so how long have you got uh, <laughs> Pick so, your top, top one or two top one or two so um, and this is <laughs> people in my organisation will laugh when they hear this um, so I didn't take the advice that was on offer and that people freely gave me in the early stages and well, I out of interest why so um, a sense that I knew better right um, and um, also a feeling that I felt like I knew the insurance industry really well and therefore that made me really qualified to launch a startup in the insurance industry mm. whereas actually the advice I was getting was all people who'd launched startups before no matter what the industry was and that was a huge gap in my understanding and my knowledge of a key part of what I'm doing which is an insurance startup it's the startup bit so um, 
so the thing, you know, and that, that manifested it itself in kind of who do you hire early on um, to complement your capabilities in terms of the background that they come from. I hired, a, I hired a bit too closely in terms of people like me. Right. Rather than deliberately seeking out people who are very unlike me with a very different background with much more of a startup experience. So that that was a huge learning for me was would, would, if I were to do it again, I would I would go down a different route really early on. Um, second big learning for me would have been um, how do you how do you let go of the grand vision of what it is that you're trying to build because you can't build that off the back you know with no money and no people and 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 how do you distill it down into something that you you can build that adds value to the to to your end consumer and demonstrates the first step on the journey enough I think we spent we spent far too long figuring out whether or not we could build the grand vision without actually starting on something much more smaller much more manageable which wouldn't wouldn't have been you know the grand vision but it would have been a really important first step to get much faster to than we actually ended up doing were you able to do that without compromising on the 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 problem that you were trying to fix yeah, so I mean, you, you you mentioned the 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 kind of the catalyst was of where we started. So it, where we're starting in terms of focusing on employee mm. benefits and self-employed, that didn't. I'd love to say that came to me in 2015 as I was going through the process. It didn't. Right. It, t- it took me a couple of years to get. I went down a few different kind of other starting points um, for for what we wanted to do with Sherpa before I kind of landed on that. So, and I think figuring out a process whereby we could have got to that decision much 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 earlier would have been super super helpful mm. um, so that would be the sort of second thing is how do you how do you really nail down what that first step is that you need to build and make it as small as possible and that was really I, I personally found that really hard so those would be my two big big learnings I think Look, it's been fascinating to talk to you if someone does want to find out a bit more about Sherpa um, I mean, you mentioned that you, you may become a scale-up in the, in the near future. Where, where would they go find more information? Sherpa dot... Uh, meetsherpa.com. 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 So, and yes. S-H-E-R-P-A. Exactly. Cool. So, uh, yeah, come and... Or, or reach out to me on LinkedIn and come and have a chat. Thank you very much for your time, Chris. Great. Right. I love it. I love it that... I love that it's another global, outwardly kind of positive company to have on the show i'll be perfectly honest i love it when we get these ones where it's kind of like i started over here then i then i i moved and 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 i met this person and then i moved to this country and ideas kind of gestate over time and this is this mm. is in that mold hong kong uk malta there's all sorts of different phases of someone's life and that experience has led chris to where he is right now it was so funny when he said um, he, he he was listing the, the 17 people he's got across 12 countries that, you know, the, uh, the the founding members, if you will, of Sherpa. And he, there was this pregnant pause between when he said from Philippines to then he fought and fought uh, Bristol. And I was like, oh, OK, I was expecting somewhere, you know, much more, uh, much more fancier or foreign but no I mean it just shows doesn't it you know he's got the right people in Bristol he's got the right people in the Philippines he himself has lived in Asia and um, lived in, in Europe and I think you know whether he'll admit this or not that has put him in a great stead for, for his company culture by the, by the way to the people of Bristol I, I think you're fancy maybe not foreign but I think you're fancy Jack might not oh cider we got our scrumpy down Bristol no Bristol's a beautiful city it is it is it's a great city and I love the fact that you can go into pubs and buy thirds 
good innovation. Anyway, um, <laughs> for, for, for a man like me, you can't really drink. That's good. Um, but thinking actually about drinking, he talks about yep. innovations in pubs. <laughs> <laughs> and the barriers for a, an insurance product. And, and it's fair, isn't it? You know, people get excited about Monzo. You show them the, you know, people used to show each other yep. the coral card. Have you got the coral card? You'd open your wallet and it would be a natural starting conversation. Um, you don't get excited and talk to your mates about the new insurance premium that you've got, do you? It's a, it, and he, he hits the nail on the head perfectly. It's just not got that same word of mouth marketing um, kind of method behind it. Because like you say, people aren't ever going to get that excited about insurance, you know, personal or business. It, well, imagine someone sitting down to you, Dave, and just being like, oh, okay, forget the interview. I want to tell you about this really good insurance deal I've got for my uh, startup. You'd be a bit like, well, it's nice to know, but it's not really glitzy. It's not really glamorous. But, you know, Sherpa are doing a good job. They're being, they're being that company that's going to, you know, help the, the smaller man and the smaller business get, get insured. But I, I love... It made me think of pension B. I love, I love this idea that, that I, I now really understand how marketplaces work for some of those less sexy products. Because if you think about pension B and pensions, they're working with mm. Starling Bank. So someone might get excited about that new bank or that new bank card. But then if Starling Bank are going, oh, and if, you know, because they know that they can't offer the full range of services that, say, Barclays can. But yep. if they up with other startups, that helps Starling. And obviously, that's a way into the conversation for the likes of a pension bee. So I can see how a Sherpa certainly fits into that. And that would be one way that they could potentially speed up the cog. You know, he talks about moving at the pace of the insurance industry, moving at the, the pace of the insurance cog. And I guess mm. there's a groundswell of lots of people coming in going, this product's better, this fits my life. And with the expansion of the gig economy, you can see how that that would force the larger industry to start to move that bit quicker? Well, just in the way that Monzo and, and Starling and all the rest of them have forced the bigger banks to, you know, improve their UX for, you know, want of a better yeah. phrase. And Look, I mean, uh, Megan Gaines, yeah. who was on the show about a year ago when she was at Starling Bank, is now MD of Barclays. I mean, that, that tells you the effect that this yeah. kind of nascent industry is having on larger incumbents. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, in Shortech, it every every area of business is ready to be disrupted and you know we, we've had sure tech companies on the show and you know sherpa are no different that they're looking to readdress the balance in the insurance industry using tech leveraging tech to um make it easier and more accessible for people to get involved in in insurance because look every bloody startup needs it yeah yeah well look i i think we'll go to our advert break at this point but uh just a quick one stick with us because afterwards we're going to be talking about a little bit of tech news on thursday we're also going to be talking about tech news so on thursday uh british summertime 1 p.m we will be streaming across twitter instagram youtube i think even maybe linkedin with our oh. new offering the tuck shop which jack's involved <laughs> So yeah, 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 yeah. We're very excited. Keep an eye out for that. That's going to be tech new. But uh, here's our advert break. Stick with us and we'll talk to you in a second. It's nearly the summer holidays, but school isn't quite out because General Assembly, a pioneer in education and career transformation, specialising in today's most in-demand skills, have an offer for you. So GA offer a wide range of programmes in web development, data science, user experience design, digital marketing, product management, and lots more. And for you, for our listeners, they've got an offer of 25% off their classes and workshops by applying the code 
techtalks25 at the checkout. There are some terms and conditions. They asked me to wrap them. Frankly, that's not going to happen. But I can tell you that the code is valid until August the 31st. And it's not applicable to GA's full-time, part-time or online circuit courses. Once the code's applied, workshop tickets are non-transferable. The discount code cannot be retroactively applied to workshop tickets already purchased or used in conjunction with other discount codes. One thing, as a former technology recruiter, I can tell you that there's a real shortage of some of these skills in the market. So with all this beautiful weather that we're having, I reckon there are far worse uses of your time than getting down there and doing a bit of continuous learning. Now, Jack, you're going to love this. I was at um, Unbound last week, and Genevieve, yep. uh, the founder of Agri uh, Ledger, came up to me, and she asked me where you were, because apparently you bring the funny to this show. Who, who asked you that? Genevieve, who's come to a number yep. of our shows. She's the founder of Agri Ledger. Genevieve, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure we've met. I can't, I can't thank you enough for your concern. Dave didn't let me go to one about. No, that's not true. That's, that's not, not true. Um, that's not true. That's not true at all. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it down. But yeah, I mean, it's great that, you know, you go to these things, Dave, and it's not just you that's the celebrity. You did at one point call me the coolest guy in the room, and I was like, I think that's overregging it slightly. But uh, no, apparently you make me funny, Jack, so there you go. Uh, it's not an easy job. It's not an easy job. <laughs> right, okay, so bit of tech news for you. Um, have you heard of the Light Year One? The Light Year One? I can't say I have, David. It is a rather cool future. Well, it's the kind of car that looks really futuristic now but i kind of imagine in 10 years time it might look like what we thought cool would look like in the 1980s but <laughs> is it a flux capacitor look like does it look like that it's just got this weird hub over the back wheel i'm sure if you i'm sure if you were to google light year one afterwards you'll, you'll see but um it's a car with a range of 450 miles that's going to be on the roads in 2021 that is fueled by solar panel wow yeah so we talk uh, a lot okay we talk a lot about clean electric cars and how much better they are for the environment because of zero emissions, but it's only that there is that element that you're having to charge it off the grid, which is probably burning fossil fuels to a certain extent. So it's not totally clean, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. shift obviously to solar panels. That is totally clear, uh, clean. Yep. Energy. So do you have to always be south facing? Like, can you only really <laughs> embark on a journey if you're coming from John O'Groats down to London? <laughs> you slow down in the evenings as the sun does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't go out after four in the winter, but no, I guess there's a battery, isn't it? And it charges over the course of the day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, it doesn't go into too much detail there, so I need to, I need to make sure. But um, here, here we go. It was created by Lex Hoofslot. No, sorry, Hoof Sloot. Guess where Lex is from? <laughs> uh, I'm going to guess the Netherlands. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with the express aim of getting the most out of every ray of sunshine, the car can be charged by plugging it directly into regular outlets, so you can do that, but the roof and hood okay. comprised of integrated solar cells encased in a safety glass so strong an adult can walk on them. So um, it's kind of a hybrid, but it can run on solar energy. Um, out in 2021, uh, the, the firm that's making this started in the, in, in the Netherlands in 2016, so they're a really new firm, uh, and there will be 100 cars that will cost, it's a bit eye-watering, £107,000. Woof. Yeah, and it costs 3600 just to be, uh, just to reserve one of that first um, 
sorry, one of the first thousand vehicles. So, so the first hundred cars um, will cost you 107,000, but to be on the reserve, it's, it's 3,600. So unfortunately, as with any technology, until it becomes uh, more widely adopted, it's gonna be pretty, pretty high barrier of entry. But before anybody goes, oh, well, you know, what good is that? All technology starts off expensive, and then yep. it comes down in cost. So I yep. don't see that as a negative thing. I see it as a massively positive thing that there's going to be a solar-powered car on the roads in just two years. And just to confirm your point there, I think next year or the year after that, they're releasing the first 40K Tesla. Uh, it's a $40,000, uh, the lowest model they're going to do. So, you know, two years ago, no one would have thought to afford a Tesla. You know, no one in my remit anyway. Whereas now, you know, it's, it, the prices do tumble. And I think they're, 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 like, it will be expensive to begin with, but if it's popular, it will go down in price. Think about Hyper, that we, who, we, who we had on the show a few few weeks ago. Yeah, Kuhn from, um, again, the Netherlands with their nano yep. satellites. Ten years ago, it would have cost them a billion pounds. Now it costs them a million. Yep. It's still eye-watering, but it's certainly not as eye-watering as it was. Think about the fact that cloud is adopted in an enterprise. The only reason cloud is now an enterprise and it wasn't before really is because of the cost of it at scale. So all of these yep. things are cheaper. And yes, it's eye-watering and people go, ooh, that's expensive because it's a B2C product. But mm -hmm. yeah, it will come down in price. I, you know how I feel about these kind of things. I'm fully on board and I will put my name on the waiting list. I can't even afford the £3,000 to be on there. But <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure it's, it's a Jack Pierce car. I, I don't know. I see you more in like a, a lovingly restored Morris Minor. Uh, my, my friend from home, Doc, if you're listening used to drive a Morris Minor. My age, drove his first car was a Morris Minor. She <laughs> broke down every day. Yeah, I'm not sure. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, uh, Jack, thank you for your time. Um, thank you. I will see you on Thursday for the uh, Tuck Shop. Tuck Shop, exactly. I'm very excited. Um, see, see on social for more on that. And, uh, but yeah, until <laughs> Thursday. We'll see you on Thursday, but you can also listen to a fresh episode of the podcast on Thursday too. Cheery, bye.